0: I, I was just um, taking the subway and I heard Jerry Seinfeld's voice recently. They've they've added him for, for telling us about COVID, which I wonder oh, if it's a little morale
1: that... booster.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Jerry. Booster, Thanks.
1: booster, good one, Claire. It's a booster. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> so many, so
3: many, so many
0: damn books. Hello, everybody out there in listening land welcome to so many damn books my name is christopher my name is drew and we have claire boyle editor of mcsweeney's quarterly and julie shapiro the executive producer at radiotopia with us today to discuss all sorts of things but particularly the new issue of mcsweeney's 64 out in september thank you so much for joining us and talking to us we are unbelievably excited to talk about McSweeney's with (laughs) you Yay! Yay! Have you heard of this reading subscription service, Scribd? It's pretty amazing. For one low price, you get access to their entire library. It's actually how I listen to all of Lisa Lutz's Spellman books, one after another, to spend $9.99 for the month and just powered through all of those all in one go it was awesome uh it's the ultimate reading subscription service. script it lets you explore all of your interests in any format you choose ebooks audiobooks magazines and more and it's only $9.99 a month you get an entire library for less than the cost of a single book there's no complicated credits you don't have to buy anything additional you can just go ahead and read to your heart's content and if you're not sure what you want to read Scribd combines the latest technology with the best human minds to recommend content that you'll love. And if you want to change things up, you're free to switch between titles, genres, and formats at any time on your phone, tablet, or computer. Right now, we're offering listeners of this program a free 60-day trial. Go to dot com, slash books for your free trial. That's try.scribd.com/books to get 60 days of Scribd for free. This issue of McSweeney's is, is special because it's, it's an audio-focused issue, which is why mm-hmm. Julie, I think, got involved on her side of things, right? Yes. And so I was thinking of terrible puns when I was making this <laughs> cocktail. Um, and I, I, I've been gravitating towards old fashions recently um, because they only take one spirit, they're very easy. Uh, to make, but so instead of an old-fashioned, this is an our old-fashioned. Um, mm. <laughs> I don't know if that was a groan, but it's, it's de- <laughs> definitely groan-worthy. It
2: was a moan of satisfaction.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh, two ounces of bourbon, um, half ounce of... So I infused simple syrup, which is... I, I used a demerara simple syrup, just demerara sugar and water, equal parts, um, but I used... Plum Deluxe, this tea company, has this tea flavor called Reading Nook, and Mm. it has all of these wonderful notes in it, uh, chamomile and rose, I think. It's a black tea as well. Um, It smells amazing, and I've been waiting to break out their Reading Nook flavor because I wanted it to be for something special. And um, I also have this little Buddha machine that I've had forever, um, which was this old MP3, like, I'm going to play a little bit of it for our listeners. It's a little box that just plays weird ambient loops. And so I played that while I was making this drink. So hopefully (laughs) the waves got through it. And then, of course, there's two dashes of Amora's Bitters, which is made by Strong Water. And you stir that and you make it in the traditional way. It's a lovely drink. And I am glad to I wish I was drinking it with you guys, but I will drink it at you instead. I'll take one. (laughs) Yeah, I'll I'll just as soon as we can send things through the wires like that, you know, sign me up.
3: Wouldn't that be so great? That feels honestly like something I would read in a McSweeney's issue.
0: So what's next, Drew? What do we do? Uh,
3: Next up is, what'd you buy? why don't we start with you we never start with you
0: okay since i just moved i've been banned from buying books and i've banned (laughs) myself like but in general just you really come into to um the reality and you come face to face with yourself as a book buyer and a book collector when you move Mm
3: -hmm. and um Mm
0: Just so many boxes of books. And I just wanted to get rid of, there was a point in it where I was just like, just throw them into the garbage. I don't, (laughs) (laughs) but they're all here. Um, I've gotten rid of still like 150 books in the past month or so. But this one has stuck around. It just arrived. It was sent to us. So I didn't buy it but it's called The Last Checkmate by Gabriella Saab, and it was pitched as um, sort of a Queen's Gambit successor. It's about a young Jewish girl saving her life by winning games of chess against the concentration camp guards. So, wow. But it, I I loved all the chess in Queen's Gambit. It made me hungry oh. for more chess novels, mm. um, and so I'm very looking forward to diving into The Last Checkmate by Gabriella Saab.
2: Did you also start playing chess more after queen's gambit
0: i did i did um i'm terrible at it there's actually this app developer named Zach gage made this game called really bad chess <laughs> where um it's just sort of chess problems and that is really fun um, hmm. did, did you did you play chess after queen's gambit
2: um my my covid pot was really into chess uh and i started <sighs> like very into chess and slowly dropped out of the chess game um, but we were playing we there's four of us who were playing double chess for a while which whoa. is like there are two chess boards next to each other and you like pass, if you get a piece from your opponent you pass it to your teammate on the other board
3: whoa. highly recommend mm-hmm. that's like going from a crossword to like a cryptic crossword that's a whole other mm-hmm. brain yeah.
0: thing whoa or like three-dimensional chess that they play on oh, yeah, Star, Star Trek. Trek. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Julie, do you want to share something?
1: Something that I bought recently? Mm-hmm. I did buy a beautiful tape dispenser yesterday. I was uh, <laughs> passing through Philadelphia and uh, my sister took me to her favorite station, Japanese stationery store. Ooh. And it was like being kid in a candy shop, except it <laughs> wasn't candy. Um, and, you know, we both like saw them at the same time. Um, your listeners can't see but it's probably about six inches wide heavy like a metal but kind of like the thermosy green old school thermos green color
0: mm. and
1: it just has um a little metal kind of barrel that you'll put the tape on and it, it's just i i was like i will have this for the rest of my life this is mm. a this is a this purchase will take us through decades and we'll never have to worry about dispensing our tape again it was a, it was actually a gift for the family basically ah. so um I bought I bought a book recently too but I thought like that is the most recent thing I'm very excited to have brought into the house
0: I like that that's yeah. really cool a good tape dispenser is <laughs> heavy
1: heavy yeah. like none of that, that plastic stuff you know like the heavy <laughs> metal yeah
0: the childhood tape the one that's I'm sure still on my parents desk is like filled with sand and it's very yes! um Yes. I can, oh, I can yeah. still sort of, like, remember the feeling of feeling, being on the yeah. phone and, like, just, like, <laughs> using it like a rain stick. <laughs> um, yeah. So I understand the aesthetic pleasure of a good tape dispenser very, very intimately. Claire, do you want to go?
2: Yeah. Um, I have been, I just recently bought this book. I actually have it with me, this book, uh, The Underground Woman by Kay Boyle um which I had never heard of this author but I was like her name is my name um (laughs) and she's a woman beat writer um and I I have always been kind of turned off by the beats just because of how male dominant it has it is and like just the general treatment of women um so when I saw this I said I need I need to try this out um it also has the kind of like plastic coating from a library book, oh, yeah. which immediately draws me in. Got it at dog-eared in San Francisco. Oh, so that one's I love next, that story. next on the list. Yeah. A real, they're, they're across the street from our offices. So they're like our...
0: Mm. Drew, what about you? Finish us off here.
3: I just got a book in the mail that I'm very excited about. Sequoia Nagamatsu's How High We Go in the Dark, which is coming out next year i think it might be it's it is either the first or very close to the first 2022 galley that i've gotten um but it's like a big epic a bunch of characters moving across a hundred several hundred years sort of like matt bell's Appleseed or david Mitchell's cloud atlas um but it feels like it's one of these maybe it's just me maybe it's confirmation bias but i feel like we're seeing a lot of climate change focused fiction like right now uh and this one i'm very excited about it looks different from everything else that i'm seeing so Mm -hmm. i'm stoked to do that and i also um julie you inspired me i also bought a new vacuum Mm -hmm. and i tell you folks when you (laughs) go from having like a a shitty vacuum it it was a good vacuum it did good service for a long time but it just was at the end of its life we were limping it along and then you get the new vacuum and suddenly everything is clean mm. it's really marvelous you like start rubbing your feet on the carpet because it just feels clean love it's that
1: muzzle tough. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the windshield when you change your windshields mm-hmm. it's a revelation yeah, yeah. Never windshield wipers i should say oh change your, if you have a car change your windshield wipers it's like a new lease on life <laughs>
3: Speaking of things that change, (laughs) McSweeney's.
0: Oh, McSweeney's. That was
3: A
2: plus, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Thank you very much.
3: Um, We've both been McSweeney's subscribers for a very long time before we knew each other. I think my first issue, we were doing some research as we were, my first issue was maybe issue 24, which uh, was the sort of the like, Two books back to back, but in opposite directions. So it was like it, like
0: a Z
2: binding. The Z binding. Mm-hmm.
0: Mine was um was that cigar box one, issue nineteen. That was like, I was totally enamored with it in the bookstore, and I was just like, what, what is? That? I I I remember having to ask an employee in the bookstore to be like explain this to me and they're like hey, it's a new lit mag whatever and just like <laughs> that sort of like bookstore um jadedness but i was totally i i found it to complete be completely magical so i'd love to know about your guys's ex first experiences with McSweeney's too
1: claire what
0: is your yeah, first well, experience
1: <laughs> um, my first issue
2: uh my, i started with it, editing with issue 49 um but I actually started way before that as an intern um, at McSweeney's. Um, so I've been there since uh, my beginning, since baby intern days. Um, and then I kind of just stuck around until they let me do some editing work. And, um, and here we are. Um, but that book that you were talking about, um, Christopher, was what that issue is what we call a box of stuff category of issues, <laughs> <laughs> the official terminology is a box of stuff, um,
0: Sounds very always, official.
2: Totally. And I've always <laughs> wanted to do a box of stuff issue, um, mm. which is what this audio issue is, uh, um, so but yeah, sense. so I've, I've been,
1: um, doing, I've been editing since 49.
0: Wow. That's so cool. <laughs> Julie? Julie, what about you?
1: Well, I'm gonna date myself here, age myself, but um, we did a little message from Radiotopia for the issue. And I tell this story there too, but like I, I literally had the first Mixweenies issue. I bought it at the Regulator bookstore in Durham, North Carolina. I was a like impressionable young zine maker, etc. cetera, lost in life and a very kind clerk said, oh, I, I think my I had put my zine for sale there. And he said, he, he guided me and recommended and I picked it up never had seen anything like it and just immediately was on board for Mick sweeney so needless to say 64 issues later 63 issues later this mm-hmm. it's incredible to have um joined forces with with sweeney's and claire to make the audio issue
0: i love that that's so cool it, it that was back when i don't know how long they did this but you to submit to the issue you had to include your rejection letter you could only yeah. send in stuff <laughs> that had been rejected somewhere else so mm-hmm. right yeah, was- I,
2: yeah yeah yeah, I think it's two rejection letters I think that was I don't know exactly when that ended but like 10 or so issues and something like that uh they figured maybe we can let move on from this but I think <laughs> it still holds that ethos of like these are the stories these are the pieces the kind of experiments that um you know other people aren't Yeah, jumping on.
0: I think maybe it's time to introduce the issue itself. Mixweeney64, tell our listeners about it and what's exciting about it.
2: Yeah, totally. So, this is the audio, our first ever audio issue, um, which comes in the form of a box of stuff, as mentioned um which is a linen bound box that you take the lid off of and there's a bunch of different print artifacts in there um and each different object or artifact, there's keychain there's a lantern with an eight-foot illustrated scroll there are there's a toy catalog there's books with different stories in them and those all correspond with a different piece of audio um and each one is from a different contributor so we essentially there's no single conceit as to how the audio and the printed matter fit together, we just reached out to each contributor and said, how, how would you do this? What is, your, what, what is your idea here? And so each piece has a different relationship between the printed matter and the audio piece and they all fit together in a slightly different way. So for some of them, you read a little bit and then you listen a little bit and you read a little bit and you kind of piece the story together that way for others, they're simultaneous. So you're listening and reading at the same time and they're giving you both mediums are giving you slightly different information that kind of combine to create a full experience Um, so in that way it's a very active listening uh, experience you're kind of like you're the one who's putting the puzzle together as the listener so being you know literary bookish people who had never worked in audio we said well we got to get some some audio brilliant minds on board so we reach out to Radiotopia um, and Julie and Audrey over at Radiotopia were intimately involved in all of the creation and and um, audio editing and all of that that part of the issue, as well as Andrew Leland, um, who's our senior producer for the issue, who um, was the believer of the the was the editor of the Believer magazine for years, and also started the Organist podcast, which is the the longtime Believer McSweeney's podcast. So we got the dream team together um, and kind of put this thing in motion.
3: And so that was two-ish years ago. It it feels like kind of an immense lead time, which makes sense when you look at the Mm -hmm. object. It's (laughs) like, yeah, I I bet I would have believed it if you told me it took five years to put together. Mm. I guess, Julie, what happened when Claire came to you and was like, hey, we want to do an audio issue of our literary magazine?
1: Well, I screamed in my head, at least. Um, no, no, we uh, we were so honored to be um, asked to contribute and help, and um, you know something about the spirit of Radiotopia and what is at the core of McSweeney's. Claire, when you were saying earlier, like we wanted things nobody else wanted um i think our shows are our podcasts are our shows that lots of people would want but we also want to be a place where people can take things that other people wouldn't want wouldn't take mm-hmm. a risk on wouldn't experiment right. with wouldn't believe in and so it just felt like such a wonderful like kinship you know sort of shared dna in terms of what we exist for supporting independent creators and people pushing the boundaries of how to tell stories and how to c- convey information and art to 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 recipients. Um, so we so right away, and I knew that my close colleague Audrey was also a big McSweeney's fan. so we were we were like in immediately where there were no questions asked. And we thought, you know, how can we involve some of the shows in the network, but also how can we be of service to helping find? other producers who also think in these imaginative ways and would appreciate what the uh, issue was trying to do which is really play in the space between print and audio and like w- where are the gaps how are they filled what are, you know where does it go further mm. so it was it just seemed like a wonderful opportunity. i don't think we any of us knew like what it would mean to work together and and we just figured it out by diving in like you know creating a big list of people we'd love to work with feeling how they worked together in a mix and then like going from there and you know starting to slowly identify ideas stories what if we did this you know not knowing what mixed could do with the physical physical aspect of this was like such a like revelation to realize oh we can make some really cool stuff for this box <laughs> and yeah and tie it back to the audio so
0: I'd i'd love to know is is there something in the box that you're just like dying to hear what people think of? Like, is there something particular? Like, this is the thing I cannot wait until people figure this thing out. I'm, am uh, I asking for favorite children here?
1: Yeah, a
2: little bit. <laughs> what do? You, what's? Well, how do you answer that, Claire? Um, I mean, they're all of the children are the favorite.
1: <laughs> a big family. Um,
2: <laughs> um, I do. It was. It's been really fun to I've shown. Some of the pieces to some friends and family, and it's really fun to watch them experience all of them. But particularly, <laughs> even to like piece in there, who is actually a radio has a Radiotopia podcast. um Radiotopia brought him into the mix. Upon God's grace, he did a piece called "Kids Works, which is absolutely <laughs> side-splittingly hilarious. It's a fictional toy manufacturer catalog. Is the physical component of it, which in itself is. Terrific. but then the audio piece is that there's a phone number on that catalog that you call into to reach the, the customer service helpline. And um, it just spins into this bizarro, freaky, violent, like super strange, hilarious uh, customer service story about a, a toy named Corners who is, uh, whispering <laughs> to your child. So oh, no. yeah. it's been really fun to watch people experience that one.
0: Wow. That's so cool.
3: It's so cool to be using phones. Like it, <laughs> it feels I remember being a kid and that ex or like even a teenager and that excitement of finding a phone number. Like for I am thinking of um when Nine Inch Nails released the year zero record. They did a big Alternate reality game. And there were like people were finding flash drives in places, and there were like phone numbers encoded into the waveform of a song snippet. And you'd call that and like, f- and that level of excitement and mystery, the like, the tangible thing of it's not just playing a podcast on your phone, it's like calling a number feels so transgressive yeah (laughs) you know can we just text the numbers i don't
1: know (laughs) now. <laughs> yeah. It's great because for some people there's there's familiarity in a phone tree, and you know you kind mm-hmm. of roll your eyes and you understand the pauses and the cadence of that. And for others, it's novel because you've never really heard one because you've never really used a phone for <laughs> communication, right? So it hits on so many levels. It's so delightful and weird. I mean, Ian is just like the best at smart, weird, beautiful audio, and and it like totally takes it there.
2: There are actually a couple of. Uh, so there's that phone number, and then there's the voicemail phone numbers that are straightforward, but there are a couple other Easter egg phone numbers throughout the issue, where um, the phone number is just kind of like embedded in the story. And if you happen to call it, there's another little peak of audio there.
0: I do love that there's a, um, that like some stuff that's in every issue, like letters to the editor, um, was rethought for this. Um, and that's that's so fun.
2: That was Sonora Thompson, our art director's idea to do it as a voicemail to the editor instead of letters to the editor, which was like the first idea that we ever had for this issue. And I was like, we need to make this issue now. <laughs> That's
0: really funny. I'd love to know about like even more nitty gritty about curation, because I feel like anybody would leap and say like, yes, I've got a great idea. And like. You know after you ask them and they give you the idea if you don't like it like what happens then or like what goes into the into this creation process here because it seems fascinating
2: yeah i mean we were lucky that um, everything that came to us was exciting and great and um i think that was a that was a moment where i really appreciated and leaned on juliana audrey and andrew who deal with pitches and kind of like working to shape pitches so much more because that's that's less um, common in short story, kind of like literary journal publishing. Um, so they were uh, incredible assets in kind of like working with the producers and contributors to shape the pitches into something that felt right for the issue to its best form.
1: Also, though, we could be so welcoming of like the weirdest ideas because there was, uh, I loved that we didn't have to shove everything down like a, a channel of the sameness. And one thing I really appreciated throughout in working on the issue was being able to embrace so many different approaches to this concept. Um, you know, podcasting is somewhat prescribed. There's a formula that works great. And it it's successful because it's predictable and people know what they're getting. And all of that makes the industry stronger and better and gives more people opportunities, et cetera, et cetera. But being able to work in a space where like Everything was different, one thing to the next, and we celebrated that. We could push things even further and accommodate these just amazingly creative ideas that came our way. It was it was such a gift to step a little bit out of the kind of industry space and work in a slightly adjacent place where all of that was really treasured and um, and and it was just so rewarding to get these ideas. And I will say that, you know, we did we did edit, we did help. I loved seeing Claire's, you know, impressions of the audio. Maybe we helped a little bit with the text. It was fun to kind of change up our roles a little bit in the editing process, but um I felt like we were there to support, not necessarily to change too much and and really just get everything to its best possible iteration. And the stuff is beautiful. I mean, it it it's just an incredible collection.
3: I was going to ask about that editing thing and that you both are at the top of your fields you're like well-respected editors in your lanes what was that what was your working relationship like
1: it seemed really easy we just like found our way we didn't always agree on everything but we often did I mean maybe that was a really nice thing from the start I felt like we all kind of were aiming for the same sort of essence and 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 completion and, and things so um, I loved what Claire brought to editing the audio, like what her instincts were in terms of rhythm and where were the things too fast, and where should we slow down, and where did the sound not work. You know, it was so great to work with someone outside the audio world uh, and and hear and hear her impressions of of what was going on with these drafts. Yeah, I think I learned a lot even through the process of you know thinking of things with a slightly more narrative literary hat on. Mm. Yeah, totally. I feel the exact same way, and I mean, I think that
2: I was, had kind of been thinking about this issue for so many years, Um, and for the, like, it was kind of, it was selfish, because I just love audio, and I've always wanted to work in audio, uh, and kind of, like, play with audio, and so it was, I was, you know, in a, in the sandbox the whole time, just, like, (laughs) having so much fun yeah so it was great and it was so nice to collaborate and so like for most of the other issues i'm kind of working in isolation um there aren't editorial meetings about the so many editorial meetings about what the issues that we're working on I'm kind of like in the dark dungeon like typing alone so to be able to have these we had weekly editorial meetings with the four of us um and it was just the most fun thing to be able to just talk about stories and ideas and brainstorm and with these three people that I respect so deeply. So yeah, that was, I think one of the best parts of this issue.
0: Opening this box made me think of Chris Ware's building stories. It, It gave me a very similar feeling of like, am I opening up a board game, like there's some, like, am I going to be building like a little like record player at some point in this? (laughs) Um, But there's just like all of the different sizes and different styles. Like they, they, they all fit together in the box. But I'm also curious if there was ever any other forms that you wanted to play with it, but you didn't get to here. Like it did have, has, have you now thought of like issue 67 and issue 71? Like, oh, we're going to do more audio stuff.
2: I would love, I mean, I would love to keep doing audio stuff. We're actually, I don't This is proprietary. I don't know. We're, we're currently like talking about getting more into audio is the, the vague non-committal way that I'll say it, but yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yes. I mean, I, we just had so much fun working in audio and it was, it felt so natural and, and just kind of like expanded the people, the contributors that we could work with. There's so many people with such deep mixweet sensibilities that are working in audio right now. So it was so cool to get to connect with them. Um yeah, I actually ordered building stories when we first started working on this, um, just to like have that experience. And mm-hmm. I I had I had this like really disastrous day out of the beach crabbing and I came back, we didn't get a single crab. We don't know how to crab. This is not like a thing <laughs> we do usually. So it was like didn't work well. We were all really morale was low when we got home and the, the um building stories was on uh, the front porch, and we just all sat around and oh. read it, and it was just a great, yeah, it was super cool.
0: Whoa, so, that's a that's an awesome way to experience building stories. <laughs>
1: <Yeah. laughs> like
3: we needed this today,
1: <laughs> but yes yeah. And I'll say the experience. I just got the box yesterday, actually. So I've been looking at PDFs and hearing the audio. Like I could know some of the audio by heart, but I, I hadn't had the full experience, and I knew what was in there, and I would still, I was still like, just like you've euf- euphoric about pulling each thing out and be like oh my god there's more oh right this one oh my god there's more yeah it, it, it's such <laughs> a nice thing to touch touch the, the thing you're about to absorb we don't really get to do that ever whether it's a photo you know the long gone photographs etc but like to feel the objects and then experience it with all of this attention paid to like, here's the descriptive transcript, here's the audio file, here's the text in front of you, you know, active listening, but there's wonderful guiding through the experience. And, you know, McSweeney's really like helps you understand how to appreciate the box, I think, from the minute you open it till that you get to the bottom of
0: it. How do you feel about the, um, the issue like Devoid of the audio, like if you're just if you don't have the audio or you can't listen to audio for whatever reason, um, do these things stand on their own? Did you even really think about that side of things while you were doing it, or were you just like, no, it's the full thing?
2: Yeah, it's very much the full thing. Um, the uh, the print element and the audio element are only portions of the, the pieces. I mean, some of them. You know live more in the audio or live more in the text but they they definitely rely on each other it's a full experience but for to answer your question we actually um for those who didn't want to or were not able to access the audio or the printed elements we um made a point to put together a descriptive transcript on our website which has entirely text-based versions of everything in in the issue which is illustrations the text and the audio are all text-based so they're um, screen reader accessible and for those who would rather read text uh, or use um, accessibility technology accessible technology we have put that together so you can kind of like piece your experience together as you'd like there are many different ways ways into the issue
3: I really love that the descriptive transcripts are also that like there was care and intention put into that like there are other authors who contributed like it's so cool that it feels in a in a completest way it's just like oh cool here's another way that I get to experience this but I hate that it is rare but it feels re- relatively rare today to experience um any kind of transcript as anything other than like a burden on the company that made it Mm -hmm. and the fact that it's so like warmly and emphatically not that um is really cool i just like i think it's so great
0: yeah I love that it was put in the terms in the issue about um the vessel in in (laughs) and the opposition to the vessel because i witnessed the vessel and i witnessed the lounge that was set Mm -hmm. up that you had to sign yeah yeah Yeah, sign the thing that said that you would never ever set a foot on on the vessel but now i can go hang out in this cool little lounge Mm -hmm. set up next to it all of that um conversation about accessibility, I'm glad that people are having it. I'm glad it's out in the open. And it was very refreshing and um, a nice way to be welcomed into the issue too. It was one of the first books I pulled out of there.
1: the The thread of the accessibility and like how could we explore that like to its fullest was so important to the curation process even and to all of, you know, thinking about not just each individual piece, but how do they present as a collection of pieces? And uh, that was just another reason we were so impressed with the idea because here we have this opportunity to create something really for everyone and to make even even the assistive technologies artful and respectful and playful and all of these things. So it feels like that's such an important piece of the full project. and it 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 just carried as much weight as the decisions about who, who to bring in and what would it look like and what would the objects be. And and I think because we all like really felt strongly about that, it was a really easy thing to come together on and and, and make and sort of push and make sure everything felt right through that lens.
3: I have a box of stuff question mm. which <laughs> <laughs> I mean we there, all have a box of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> there is you know it 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 feels like there's a little bit of a thing where subscribers to the quarterly concern will certainly know what I'm talking about where you sort of watch the updates of what the issues coming down the line are and then you see like okay that's a hardback one this is going to be a soft guy. and then it's like this one that sounds like it's going to be what do you mean it's going to be printed on balloons <laughs> that was a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I was gonna ask, like, what? Talk about going from, you know, a, a print medium to bringing in the audio. That's one thing, but it feels like every four to five issues, the McSweeney's team is like, "What's something that we have no idea how to do? That's completely insane. How do we do? Like, how do you, how do you do that?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: we don't necessarily go into it like, okay, we need to have a wacky idea. What's it gonna be this issue? We we just kind of like plot along. And then if something comes to mind that we feel strongly about, we move forward with it. So it's not like we're brainstorming, like what's the next wacky thing gonna be? Um, but because we know we're in this space that lets us do something crazy that might absolutely not work at all, like for the balloon issue, in the 11th hour, the printer told us that they were afraid that the balloon, so that the issue you were talking about, for people who don't know, is uh, stories that were, print, micro stories that were printed on balloons that you have to blow up to read, so it comes in a bag of balloons, um, and they were like, we're worried that maybe the printing will all stick together, and when you blow it up, it'll come apart, and you can't read it, so we got a sample, folded it up, put it under a really heavy bookshelf for like a month. So that it would be really compressed, and then took it out and blew it up, and it worked. So we're like, all right, let's go forth with this. <laughs> but so it takes definitely takes a lot of trial and error and uh, trying to poke holes in it until um, we find something that maybe we'd we dare try.
1: I have to jump in and just give so much credit to the McSweeney's team because we would just dream up this, like, oh, we'll do a magic lantern scroll oh. and like. <laughs> And there we have a we have that, and you know oh, we'll do a keychain like we, we could just whatever we invented. Claire was like, oh, I'll talk I'll talk to them about that," and then <laughs> you'd like report back. It might be slightly different than what we expected, but like we ended up with all these really lovely things. In any case,
0: the magic lantern is I, I haven't gotten to explore all of the things in this yet um, because it is very involved reading. Yeah, um, but it is the thing that I first experienced with everything and it's a truly magical experience. Not the least of which is because you have to use your phone to make the lantern a lantern. Um, and so that really makes you focused. Because
1: <laughs> <laughs> you don't have your phone.
2: You, you
0: don't have access to that. You can't. I love
1: that. <laughs> it's
0: very cool. Um, and and I'm just sort of, I was sort of in awe of it because like it here's this folded up thing that was actually like really easy to put together and experience the the, the coolness of it. Um, I'm curious now, Claire, I feel like you're going to have a very different answer than Julie, but how do you relate to reading like post McSweeney's, not like your app, but like how has McSweeney's changed your reading life? How, does, how has working on this issue changed how you're reading other things that aren't related to it?
2: I don't know. I feel like I haven't really read much since I'm still, we're still kind of working on the issue, I probably shouldn't say that, but we're like still putting the audio site together and working on the descriptive transcripts and all that. Um, So I feel like I haven't read much. I read a lot of nonfiction when I'm deep in an issue, just for like contrast. Um, so really, more than anything, it's just a relief to, to read something that's informational and straightforward and uh, gripping and unrelated.
1: Uh, so I'll, maybe that's that's how it's affected me <laughs> I uh I concur it's just a relief to read I spent so much time listening and listening and listening that taking you know the time to read through this the contents and the stuff in the box um it was just a reminder I love to read I've always loved to read and I've, I've strayed a bit because um you know, some podcasts feel like you're reading and if that's the case mm. I've read a lot a lot a lot a lot in the last many many years um but I ha- you know but it isn't the same and I really treasure the time and the space of like not not engaging your ears in that way and like really concentrating on. So for me the 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 change is like to remember how much how gratifying that is. And um, I think everything I read feeds back into how I hear things anyway. So it's all it's all connected but um it was a great Sort of tethering me back to this practice that I've always loved and needed, and still need, and now I'm finding some more time for it. So that's helpful.
0: That's beautiful. I love that. Books are always there for you.
1: Yeah, they are. They are.
0: Actually, maybe we should um, maybe we should head into the recommendation portion of the that feels about right. Yeah, maybe we should recommend some straightforward or non-straightforward experiences to have in the universe. We read some pretty cool
3: books. We recommend you take a look.
0: Yeah. Drew, do you want to start off the train here?
3: Sure. I've got a book and a record. The book is the new Percival Everett book, The Trees. Mm-hmm. Uh longtime friend of the show, John Warner, has been he's the one I feel like who in the Morning News' Tournament of Books universe is always hyping up Percival Everett. He's like, you are got to you're gonna read it. You're gonna find the one that's gonna get you in. And I've tried a couple of times and just not been unhappy, but just sort of like, I'll pick something up and read five pages in a bookstore and be like, I don't know, that's just not what I want right now. The trees is like the fbi scenes from any of the three seasons of the movie of twin peaks where it's like it's these two black fbi agents who show up in this town in the south where white racists are being brutally murdered and the body of Emmett till shows up next to them but then the the body disappears it's very it's like funny and weird it reads it's like one to two page chapters so it's a really propulsive read with just this off the wall sense of humor that i i read it in a day and i absolutely and i was like oh i get it i get what everybody says about this guy um pulitzer prize finalist percival everett so i'm excited to see (laughs) (laughs) you know it worked for me finally drew signs (laughs) off (laughs) um and then the other thing is the new Halsey record. If mm. I can't have love, I want power is it might be my favorite record of the year. I was excited about it because I love the work that Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross are doing. I have loved Halsey's work since their first record. And the the combination just plays to everybody's strengths mm. in a way that knocked me over. It's like the soundtrack to the best a 24 horror movie you haven't seen, because it doesn't exist. Mm. Um, It's beautiful. It's furious. There are like a lot of cool, weird things going on in the mix. Um, It's been a long time too, since a record's come out that there hasn't been a single. So like you, when you get the record, you just have the full experience. Mm. And that was really lovely. I did. I just, when it came out, it, the download showed up in my email. And I just listened to the whole thing straight through, unadulterated by any other thing. And mm. I think, in some ways, that made it even better because I had yeah. played out the single a thousand times. You know,
0: it's a, it's, it's a, like an old-fashioned album rollout of just like they put out the thing and they were like, "It's coming out." Yep, H- here it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, Claire, how about you?
1: Um.
2: I have been recommending uh, the book The Indifferent Stars Above by Daniel James Brown, which is a really gripping story of the Donner Party,
0: um, which
2: I read while I was staying, while I was in Truckee outside of Tah- uh, Tahoe for the for a couple months this summer, um, so I was like right by going to the lake every day that they camped by and just kind of like Whoa. immersed in it, and it's uh, grizzly, as you would imagine, but super gripping and super, um, uh, emotional and just you can't, you won't, won't put it down. It's just a really, I mean, in the classic sense of a great story. It's a great story. First off, not a great story for others in the park. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: It was a really fun read.
0: Julie, what about you?
1: Um, I just finished the final revival of, of Opal and Nev, oh, uh, so good. which is a really fun, wonderful novel about um, a sort of rock duo from the seventies that blew people's mind, but could have done more. And then they might get back together and I don't want to give away too much, but it was such a, I, I'm always looking for alternative structures when I read, because I think about that a lot in the in the audio. World. And I love the struck portraiture and collective telling of the story um, in the present, looking back, lots of different interviews, uh, kind of an oral history uh, format. So that was wonderful. And I also just like by chance happened. <laughs> this sounds fake. I really just by chance happened upon a Norwegian saxophonist who just put out a record called Crack. His name is Bendik giski And it's like beautiful, like fluttery and light and it's experimental, but it's uh, usually that can get very noisy and scrunky, but I found it really relaxing and lovely. So that would be my other, that's my pairing. We've got a book and we've got a Norwegian sex
0: Cool. Awesome. All right, Chris. Scronky. I like that word. <laughs> yeah, scrunky is a
3: very good word.
0: <laughs> I was reading the same book for three weeks um because, because it's very long, but just because, uh, again, I've just moved. And this for some reason was like the most harrowing move of my life, I don't know why. I'm glad that it was this book that I was stuck in for that amount of time because even though it's like a slim 250 page book, I was just happy to be thinking about the characters even though I wasn't reading it very actively and it's Laurie Colwyn's Goodbye Without Leaving. It's uh, about a, a woman who is the only white backup singer in an all black um, band in the sixties. And she joins the band because she loves the music and then leaves because um, the singer blows up and decides that they don't wanna have a white singer in the band anymore. And she's just like, that was the best thing that's ever happened to me. And now I have to live the rest of my life. And it follows her as she lives the rest of her life, knowing that she has this thing in her past that she thinks of as like the absolute best thing that she's ever done and ever will do. and, you know, then she does things like get married and have a kid, and um, but all of those things are shot through with this melancholy, but also just like this wry humor. And Laurie Colwyn is just like the most welcoming writer. She fe- feels like your friend, you know, telling you this story that you've just like, oh, that's that's a crazy story that happened to you in your life. Um, so i just think that is really great and the other thing that i'll recommend is um listening to gilmore girls episodes Uh, i uh i've watched gilmore girls so many times through it's an excellent background show but listening to it i am completely just thinking about the audio and it's a fascinating it's like a narrative podcast almost um there's just so much audio it's wall-to-wall Talking like so few visual jokes or like you know things that you need a television for. Um, and I think it pulls out some of these other things that I just didn't even realize were in the mix while I was watching it previously. So, listening to Gilmore Girls (laughs) that is my Uh recommendation. I can Uh.
1: totally endorse that recommendation, just the listening.
0: (laughs) The other thing we can recommend wholeheartedly is buying just this issue of McSweeney's sixty-four or subscribing to the quarterly tenancy and getting everything that they're doing in the future. Um, it's a fantastic experience, this this box of stuff. And
3: Congratulations to the both of you. It is yeah. really like it's a titanic, beautiful object.
0: <laughs> yes. And I just think people are gonna flip for it. I, I can't wait for you guys to get feedback that I'm sure mm. is just going to be glowing
1: mm. thank you and thank,
0: thank you, you so much for coming on um, to our listeners out there it's very easy to go on uh, McSweeney's and go and subscribe or just buy this single issue if you'd like um, also if you're on your computer you know go ahead <laughs> you, and might go as to, well. <laughs> you go ahead and re- leave us a review on iTunes we very much appreciate <laughs> it we also really like when you go to our patreon.com smdb uh and give us money we like that too and julie and claire thank you so much for coming on we really appreciate it
3: yeah
1: oh so fun thank you for your curiosity and interest about it it's really nice to to revisit the process and think about how it all came together
0: all right i think that's the end of it all right that is good goodbye people